I've been going till the lights out. Got my face up and my eyes down. Shorty, now you know what this is like now. Now I got a big drop top and I'm rolling. And I told my girl I'ma be up till the morning. Hello, and thank you for joining us on Building Greatness, The Warrior Way, a Westcliff University Athletics podcast. As always, I'm joined by our Dean of Athletics, Sean Harris. Yay, yay. And I'm Sherm Dog, David Shermet, the head baseball coach at Westcliff University. We have got a lot to talk about today. Today is a show of firsts. It is the show of trailblazers. And it's a very timely topic. Of course, there is still a tremendous movement out there. The other day, we had another terrible tragedy. A gentleman by the name of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin, was tragically gunned down. He is alive, although... Again, we had a similar situation that we've had in the past with other names like Breonna Taylor. um, And um, there are so many names, it's just unbelievable. And for some reason, this just uh, uh, does not stop. So we're going to talk about the trailblazers today in honor of the uh, African-Americans who were trailblazers in their sports. Sean, I got to ask you something because, you know, they interview the athletes frequently. I see LeBron James. I see a ton of athletes being interviewed. But this just isn't dying down. And I don't mean the groundswell of support. I mean the actual incidents that are occurring. Why do these things keep happening? Well, I think, you know, they've been happening, Sherp. I think now technology, everyone has a phone. Everyone's a reporter. Everybody tells the news. Everybody, their own TMZ through Twitter, social media, IG, Facebook, etc. I mean, it's, it's, it's sad. I mean... Um, I'm I'm definitely, you know, impacted by this daily. You know, I, I have three boys myself um, from the ages of 27 all the way to 19, you know, so I, I, I get it, you know, and, and me being a black man in America, it's, it's not easy. But, you know, I, I support law enforcement, so I don't want to sit here and, and say I don't. You know, I get it. It's a tough job, just like when I was in the military, you know, we, we had a a job to preserve freedom, you know, for this country. So it is tough, but no no one deserves to be gunned down like that, innocent or guilty, you know. So uh, it is alternative measures. It's, it's a lot of retraining that needs to happen, de-escalation training, so on and so forth. But enough is enough. Um, I'm, I'm fed up, you know. I'm, I'm tired of excuses. I'm tired of shoulda, woulda, couldas, ifs. And all of that. It's time to get it right. It's just, we just have to understand that there's some jobs, you know, that we have that you cannot be bad at. You know, a pilot can't decide to have a bad day and say, I'm not landing the plane today because I had a rough day. Is this some jobs you, you have? A surgeon just can't say, oh, you know what? Today I'm not feeling so good, you know, so I can mess up and botch a surgery. Like, it's just some jobs that require excellence. And policing Hmm. is one of them. And we need to see it. And we need to see it fast in our communities. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the word that keeps coming up is unarmed. Every one of these people is unarmed. Unarmed. Is it because we're, are we uneducated or are we trigger happy? No, Or or, just I I think it's, you know, number one is, you know, systemic fear. You know, it's... Hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've walked in great neighborhoods and been looked at like, why, what am I doing there? 
you know, what? why am I in this neighborhood? You know, people are, are fe- fearful. You know, I've, I've been on the sidewalk um, and people get on the other side, you know, looking at mm-hmm. me because of my stature and, and me being black. You know, it happens. Mm-hmm. It's the reality of it. But it's something called training, Sherm. And you're supposed to be getting the best training <laughs> when you're a police officer. So none of that's the excuse. You know, you, you're getting trained for crisis situations. You know, the closest job I had to being a police officer would be in the military. You know, they're very similar backgrounds, but I would say even, you know, police officers daily, you know, um, succumb to more violence and, and, and things of that nature more than what you would see in the military. But the training is similar to, you know, being um, put in crisis situations so you can handle it. So I think it's just some guys uh, and women that are out there that's not equipped to handle some of the scenarios that they're running across. And we're seeing that with happy trigger fingers. I mean, the video that we seen of, of, of the man that got gunned down yesterday, um, it could, he could have been tripped. He could have been, um, it was more than one cop. I mean, you know, things could have happened. Something could have been de-escalated at that point. I mean, we do have tasers. We have a lot of other things, but uh, it didn't have to come to that, um, but it did. And um, we need to figure that out. And our, our, we need to get involved real quick and get it and get it changed. So, you know, that goes with the mayors of these cities that goes down to the police chiefs, the council members. You know, we need legislation behind it, not just talk. Uh, we need to get out and vote. You know, we need to do a lot of things, but it's only going to get solved if we do it together. But but no more excuses. You know, excuses are out the window. So no excuse zone now. People are dying. I don't want to hear no more excuses. We need action. Yeah, there's there's too much work to be done. It, it just has to we just have to do it. You know, that's you always hold us accountable. You hold the coaches here accountable. You know what? If there's a job to do, just do it. Get it done. I don't care who does it. Just get it done. And if it happens to be a, a, a sports specific job, then that coach is going to do it. And you're going to hold us accountable. We've got to do the same thing. I mean, there's there's too much work to be done. And so, I mean, we, you and I could talk about this all afternoon. We could talk about it uh, till tomorrow. And um, there are a lot of people that are doing that. And it rightfully only, so. Rightfully yeah. so. Yeah. It, and it's, it's to the point awareness. now. It's to the point now we have to make change. Yeah, absolutely. So, you yeah. know, for our listeners who, you know, this is not what you signed up for today. You know, I, I don't have no apologies to give you. This is the world we live in. And if you are all about making it better for everyone else and wanting to have everyone to have these same freedoms um, that we all endure here in America, then we got to get on the same team and make it, ha- make it happen. So this is necessary. Yeah. Well said. Well said. To start our podcast today is a segment that we're going to call Trailblazers. And the reason we're calling it that is because we're going to talk about people in individual sports who were the first or trailblazers in particular. And in this segment, we're going to talk about the first people, uh, first black people who trailblazed the path for others that came after them. And of course, you have to start with one of the biggest names, not just in the African-American community, but in all of sports and probably all of the world, Jackie Robinson. Now, he broke the color line in baseball in 1947 when he came up with the Dodgers. But here's something interesting that I discovered. Now, of course, everybody knows about Jackie Robinson. The field at UCLA is named for him. And the number 42 in Major League Baseball and professional baseball is retired. No one else can wear number 42. It's entirely 
retired throughout the whole sport. But in August of 1971, so 24 years later, the Pittsburgh Pirates became the first professional team to field all nine players in a game who were either black or Latino. And the interesting thing about that is that year, they won the World Series. So I wonder if there's a correlation there. I don't know, but it's certainly an interesting talking point. Yeah, you know, I mean, 42. I mean, that's that says it all. I mean, you can just say 42 and, and everybody in every sport knows exactly what you're talking about. I think, you know, Major League Baseball did an awesome job, you know, with, you know, retiring that. I mean, you know, like put some respect on his name. I mean, he just changed the culture and, and, and moved it forward. I mean, it's just amazing that he um, went could endure that. Like, I couldn't imagine doing that. I mean, that's what makes him so special. You know, one of his quotes, and I'm paraphrasing, was was like, hey, I'm not concerned if, you know, you like me or dislike me. I just want you to treat me as a human being. I mean, that's powerful. Exactly. You know, just want to be treated like a human being. Mm-hmm. And we're mm-hmm. starting to see some of that, you know, in 2020. I mean, we're rising up. You know, America's speaking. The, the youth is speaking. You know, people are fed up with the injustices in the world. And they say, treat each other like a human being. You don't have to like or dislike me. Treat me as a human being. And so to think that he was pioneering that, you know, so many decades ago, you know what I mean? And that still needs to be the sentiment for 2020. We we, we got to do something. We got to put actions. No more words. We got to put actions behind it. We need measurable things to show that, you know, that this is changing and and we owe it to 42 to make that happen. Absolutely. And it was chronicled in the movie 42, which was the history of his life, I guess you might say, and some of the insults and everything he had to endure. But fortunately, he had a good group of players around him that embraced him and protected him wherever they went, both on the field and off the field. And it was really a powerful statement because, you know, as, as the first guy to come out and do that, he knew what he was going to face. And he faced it with a plum and, and seriousness and grace. You know, he, he held himself higher than everybody else. And uh, he was what a role model. You know, we still we still look at him in 1947 when he came up. He was maybe the best player in the league. And he right. should have been up before that. He just didn't right. get the opportunity because of his skin color. Absolutely. He won the rookie of the year that year in his Come first year in Major League Baseball. Hey, so, you talking. I mean, he was just dynamic. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, he could do it all. It wasn't nothing that he couldn't do on the diamond. Yeah. And, I, and I think, you know, the biggest thing was we just we knew what, we had, what he had on the diamond and that was being suppressed. But, man, to have the courage to continue to perform with what he endured, off the diamond, huge. I, I don't. I don't know if that's. I mean, that strength to go through that and not to have that separation for that to follow you. You know, night in and night out, going mm-hmm. to tough cities, filled with racism, filled with injustice. Couldn't even sleep with the team. Couldn't yeah. even eat yeah. with the team. Right. That's true. He was right? a trailblazer. He still yep. came and Total performed. Trailblazer. Man, mm-hmm. that's huge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's huge. He he was good every day, every day on the field and off the field. You bet. You bet. Legend. Legend. That's what I think about 42. Mm -hmm. Legend. Yeah. Well said. Well said. In honor of that, 
Today's podcast is going to talk a little bit about firsts and trailblazers, in particular in each sport. Now, you know, we've got a dozen, 14 sports here at Westcliff, and we're going to talk about those sports and the first professional man, woman to play those sports. Now, as okay. an example, okay? I'm as excited. an example, yeah, we've got a lot of sports to talk about. So, the WNBA, we'll start there. Their first year, their first draft ever was 1997. The first pick in the draft was a black woman by the name of Vicki Bullitt. Now, interesting because she went where? Do you know where she went to school, Coach? Hey, she a Terp. Yep, absolutely. University yes, of Maryland. Sir. You should know that. Yes, yep. sir. Okay. Now, there's going to be a few names that are not quite as familiar, but Vicki Bullitt had a Hall of Fame career. Did Second she? in the pick was... Oh, yeah. Second in the pick, Andrea Stenson, North okay. Carolina State. Yep. North Carolina also State. a name who had a... Right. Uh, Janice Lawrence went third. Um, and uh, actually, sorry, Janice Lawrence Braxton. And she went to... Uh, out, came out of a program at the time, Louisiana Tech. Remember how great they were? Old Dominion, Louisiana Tech. Hey. They had some... In, in women's basketball, they Incredible had some... Incredible rivalries. The, right absolutely. There. Absolutely. Michelle Edwards went next. She was out of the University of Iowa. And then the big names showed up. Cheryl Swoops. You know Whoa. where Cheryl Swoops went hey, to school? She Mrs. went to two schools. Hey, Mrs. Swish herself. I mean, yeah, that, was the, yeah. that was the female version of Jordan back in the day. Yeah, that, she was one of my that's favorites. That's how cold she was. She was a cold piece. Oh, yeah. Okay? She went Nike to Texas. right on her after she got out. She had game. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm sure she can cross you up right now, Sherm. <laughs> yeah, you know me. I'm a body her up. You know I'm. You know I, I'm two two fifty plus. You know I'm a body her up. But you know she own you in the paint for sure. Well, I'm slow. I cross myself up. Oh, so yeah, yeah. It's pretty bad. Cheryl Swoops though started out at Texas and then eventually transferred to Texas Tech. Yeah. Now, yeah. Right behind her in the draft, Cynthia Cooper, also Coop. a Hall of Famer. Yeah, Coop. Coop. Out of, USC. The, yeah, she came, out of USC. Yeah, right around the right around the time after Michael Cooper was with the Lakers, she showed up and she came out of what school? Maybe USC, the best baby. Exactly. They were they were dominating with with uh, players like Cheryl Miller and the one that went right after her in the draft, Lisa Leslie. Man, hey, he don't get no better than that. I no, think she absolutely. was the first woman who who dunked in the WNBA. As you're absolutely fact. correct. Well done, you. Absolutely. Yeah. Very smart. Uh, Penny Toller came next, who actually she came had out of Long points, Beach State. Let's not, hold on. Back yeah, that, okay, a bit. okay. Come let's on, all right. Let's put go some over respect on Lisa's name. Sure. Yep. She had over a yeah. hundred some points in high school. I think. She yeah, was she did. Ridiculously crazy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay, yep. girl had game. USC used to be the preeminent as soon you know in the in, right around the time of the turn of the century. Uh, USC was just absolutely fabulous. It was a mill of great players that just kept coming out of there. Right. It's unbelievable. Now, there are two players that came after Penny Toller. There was Rebecca Lobo. Right. Now, Lobo out of UConn. Come on now. Out of UConn, exactly. Yeah, yep. she was and a forward, then, forward. She kind of stretched the yep. game a little bit. You know, she, she, she calls games now, you know, with the WNBA. She does. She's good right. at it. These are all... These are all game changers. And Teresa Witherspoon, Teaspoon, hey, came teaspoon. after, after Rebecca Lobo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can't get better Louisiana than that. Louisiana Tech. Yep, absolutely. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to jump around a little bit in no particular order of sports, but we're trying to cover all of our sports. So shout out our next sport to our surfing coach, Kyle Rouse. The first professional black surfer was a man named Nick Gabaldon. Now, Nick was Whoa. born... Yeah. Nick was born in 1927 in February. He died, however, 
June 6, 1951. Now, he wasn't just black. He was also Hispanic. Right. He was from Santa Monica, and he, he served in the Navy. He was a minority, bro. I mean, yeah, that's the combination. served in the Navy. Yeah. Right. First black professional surfer served in the Navy. Interestingly, he would actually get from Santa Monica to some of the other great surf spots, and he right. would paddle He would paddle there on his board, sometimes what? 10 or 12 miles. Are you Paddling on his hold board. On, yeah. yeah, because bro he didn't have transportation. to do that. Yeah. And he didn't have transportation. Yeah. And so he didn't have a car. So that's how he would get to surf spots. He'd go out into the ocean. He would paddle there. So he was the first surf Uber. And then paddle home. Yeah. Yeah. He was a surf Uber. He was a surf Uber, man. That's funny. You know how how incredibly in shape you have to be? Absolutely. Now. That's crazy. Unfortunately, he, he, believe it or not, during a surfing competition, crashed into the pier and died on the spot. Damn. Yeah, he didn't. His uh, it's a tragic story. His board popped up right away, but he didn't. They found him about three days later. Wow. Yeah, but he one of those names that should probably get more recognition because surfing's gotten huge, and of course, there's Bethany Hamilton and plenty of other wonderful female surfers, Kelly Slater, and plenty right. of others. I mean, yeah, Slater's they do a such legend. a great job. Yeah, put some absolutely. respect on his name, Sherm. Yep, you got to yep. say the legendary Slater. Yeah, come on well, now. That's true. Don't yep. play around. He's, he's a legend. He's done some stuff. Oh yeah. Now there's some interesting stuff I want to talk about with our next sport, and that is volleyball in particular. We got a few volleyball coaches. Um, the first black volleyball player, men or woman, man or woman, was Flo Hyman. Now I remember watching Flo, Flo when I was a kid. Yeah, Florence Jean Hyman. Flo what Hyman. You know about she Flo? Was, well, she was almost six six, and I remember watching her play volleyball. Flo yeah. was tall. Come yeah, on. She was. She, she was. was spiking everything. Oh yeah. She was born July thirty first, nineteen fifty four. She died January twenty fourth, nineteen eighty six. At the age of thirty one. She had Marfan's disease. Yeah. Yeah, that's she died. Disease. She actually died during a match in Japan. Wow. Now, she left here. United States went to Japan, became a model and an actress, and of course was in the Olympics. Now she doesn't get enough credit. None of these people get enough credit. Now, on the men's side, and this is going to be interesting, Dane Blanton, who's actually from Laguna Beach, I believe, one of the first black beach volleyball players. But you know who else we forget as one of the first black volleyball players of all time, especially who's on the that? men's side? Wilt Chamberlain. Yeah. You know, I, to be honest with you, I mean, I'm not going to, when I think of Wilt, I'm not thinking of volleyball. No, know, of course but, not. But I mean, you know, I can see how, you know, you know, his presence would be felt. I mean, he was just a hell of an athlete regardless of whatever sport, you know, he partaked in. I mean, he had a lot of skills. I mean, just to be that agile, to be that big and that agile and, you know, just have that fluidity of your of your body, you know, being a seven footer and then the endurance. Like we never seen a guy that big so early with all the endurance and capabilities of an athlete of, of a person that was six two six three he had it so yeah will was a hell of an athlete oh, i think we was, forget that i think he changed people, the nba yeah he i think people it. you know give him a knock because they said oh he was just so tall like come on man you you got to be able to run jump um have the endurance have the worth all you know mentally you know he was a hell of an athlete oh yeah yeah and you know after he scored 100 points in a game that's when we got the three-second rule. Yeah, you know, and after I score 100 points in our game when we play, <laughs> they're probably going to 
make another rule. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't, I don't you know, know what it's going to be. Yeah, but, okay. Okay. Here, here's know. the thing. Here's the thing. And I, I'm, I'm just going to say this. You know what? If you grab our associate athletic director, Michael Hardaway, I'll play yeah. you two on one and I'll still beat you. Ooh. Ooh. If Michael okay. wants to jump in there. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'll bring it I, on. I, I want you know up you. Here's the deal then, Sharp. Okay. Okay. Um, you need to play Mike before you even get to me. Okay. <laughs> oh let's let's go there. And then let's let's be honest here. His name is Mike. So Mike, you might right. not can beat him. You might want to be like him. Because everybody <laughs> wanna be like Mike. All right. So but okay, but here's you know, the deal though, Sherm. So you know, somebody told me that you had some bars. Right? Somebody told me that you actually have some bars. Mm-hmm, is that mm-hmm. true? Can you rap? Yeah. I mean, we know Dame Dollar can rap and, and play ball. Can Sherm play baseball and rap that's what i want to know you got bars sherm i i can i can throw it down i can throw it down old sherm school. let me hear it sherm you got to let the people know let me really? hear something get in your bag sherm get in your bag right now and, and, and make and make me bounce baby i want to bounce right now mm, 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 really mm. bring it bring it bring it okay let me hear what you got sherm real okay so uh does it matter what I throw down? It don't matter, sir. It Are don't you matter. Stalling or do you got bars, no, sir? It's a this hip, ain't five. Hop, listen, a hibbit, a hibbit, a hip, hip hopper. You don't stop the rock to the bang, bang boogie. Say up, chuck the boogie. Rhythm of the boogie to beat. Okay. Now what you hear is not a test. I'm rapping to the beat. And me, the groove, and my friends are going to try to move your feet. Woo! You see, I am Wonder Sherman. I am like to say hello. Hello! But to the black, to the white, the red, and the brown, the purple, and yellow. But first, I got a bang, bang, a boogie to the boogie. Say up, chuck, the boogie to the bang, bang, boogie. Let's rock. Oh, yeah. You don't stop. Rock the rhythm that'll make your body rock. Okay, oh, I can keep going. Oh, I can go all day. Oh, now, that, now, I got I got, hey. I got to tell you honestly. I got to tell you honestly, that is not my own creation. That oh, is Sugar Sherm. Hill Gang. You brought That's out a, a classic, Sugar Hill Gang sure. rapper's delight, which was probably the first rap song ever. And they, yeah, sure. you know what? Talking about firsts, three black guys hey. who were the first rappers who do not get enough credit. They don't for laying that down. Well, I'm gonna tell you like this, Sherm. You know, you brought it, baby. I like it, baby. <laughs> hey, Sherm got bars, baby. Hey, listen, we're gonna have to take you on on, on um, you know, Four Bar Friday. You know, with, with all right. You know, okay. we got to get you on there, man. You got to drop some bars, man. But that was hot, Sherm. Now, are right. you a one, you're a one-trick pony, though. Is no, that I, all you got in your bag? Can you go in no. the bag? Listen, I'm going to put some respect on your name right now. If you can go in your bag right now and bring me some more bars. You got anything else in the bag? Because well, if not, you know, you're just a one-hit wonder. What is it? No, I'm not a one-hit wonder. I just, I, do I need it, to spread it out it, a little bit? Hey, or, whatever. I mean, we've only you, got, I only got, got 20 minutes. Bar, if you got another bar, I want to hear it today. The people want to hear it today. You got another bar or not? Yeah, I, I could probably throw that down. Okay, but let, I tell me you, let me I tell, hear it. Let's go. Well, wait, 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 wait. Let me, let me oh, do a you, little oh, bit more Stalin. of this, and then we'll get back to Stalin. that. Is that okay? He's stalling. He's stalling. You done lost all credit. You lost it all, man. Don't worry about it. I was about to put some respect on your name, Sherm. You was about to earn your stripes today. You actually got in the trenches, and I was about to put love on your name, baby. But now mm. you coming up short, baby. Yeah, so just I, I like know. a loser, I, I just just the thing like is, a loser is that when the pressure little, got on. It's a little hors d'oeuvre. Is all the, I got the, the main course. I got the main course. Main course okay. are coming. This main oh, you course is coming. I'll not. throw a little. You I'll throw drop some dessert in there at the end too. I will, but uh, I just want to talk about some other great players oh, okay. and other so great fading. people. He's fading. No, I'm not fading. America, no, no. he's fading. I'll bring it. 
He folded <laughs> like a shirt right now. He folded like a shirt. Okay, well, I rock in a roll with so much soul. I can rock till I'm 101 years old. I don't okay. mean to brag. I don't mean to boast. But we like hot butter on a breakfast toast. So rock Ooh. it out. A beba bubba. Bang the boogie to the beat. Beat is so unique. Come on, everybody, and dance to the beat. Have you ever gone over a friend's house to eat and the food just ain't? Do you remember this song? Oh, yeah. Yes. You remember this yes, song? All right. I do. The macaroni hey, song, sure, the pizza we'll mush, and the chicken today. tastes like sure. wood. Hey, sure. <laughs> okay. It's so respect. Oh, your name the day, baby. All right, you that's just Sugar Hill. Today, hey, baby. I'll throw some. I'll, I'll throw some Houdini down later, and, Ooh, and a few others. You don't know about the Houdini, but you got some respect of your name today. You know the Sherm thing is, dog. the people listening to this might not know who I'm talking about. I hope they do. I hope it's more than just it's you classic, and I that baby. are the ones it's that classics. know who, what know hey, what this if is. They, if they don't know, they not gonna ever know, and they ain't okay. hip hop junkies like we are. So <laughs> okay. it's all good. All right, I'm glad I covered myself on that. Hey, hey, hey. you good with me now, Sherm? You good with me? You all right. Good. All right, thank you. Okay, continuing on, I want to talk a little bit more sports because there are some really important people that we have to talk about, in particular, men's tennis. Now, you know, Ross Duncan's our men's tennis coach. He is. He's excellent. Oh, yeah. And the first black professional men's tennis player, Arthur Ashe. I mean, you could talk all day about Arthur Ashe. Yeah, born in Richmond, Virginia. Right. uh, What's the uh, main court in Wimbledon? Uh, Sherm, don't Actually, disrespect that man. No, 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 not Wimbledon, U.S. Open. Oh, U.S. Open? Right, in New York. Yeah, that's yeah, the they should, have it, they should yeah. have it in Wimbledon, too. Yeah, he won that. He absolutely. And uh, he won he won Wimbledon, the, the U.S. Open, and the Australian Open. He was right. ranked number one twice, once twice. in 1968 and once in 1975. Born in 1943, died in 1993, but right. a humanitarian. He also played on the Davis Cup. I mean, what he did for the advancement of black athletes, you know, and, and social justice back then. It wasn't even a thing back then. Man, it was tough. And he was on. ahead of his time. You know, sure, we're talking about a tough sport, too, to yeah. be recognized as a black man and get that credibility. I mean, sure. you know, if I think off the top of my head, I would say tennis and golf were two privileged sports, right? Mm-hmm. You had to be in sure. the fraternity. You had to be known. You had to be accepted. And for him to do that in the 60s and dominate, not just once, but twice. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy cool. Ranked number one. Yeah. Well, since you bring up golf, let's talk about Charlie Sifford. Man, First Charlie. professional. Yeah. And, you know, Tiger Woods talks about Charlie Sifford and all the other greats that came after. My favorite golfer of all time is Calvin Pete. I used to right. love watching that guy. I okay. don't know why. It just worked out that way. Charlie Sifford, born June 2nd, 1922, died February 3rd, 2015. He had a good long life. Born in Charlotte, North Carolina. Right. And, yep. North Carolina. Uh, he won... He, he won the Greater Hartford Open. He won the L.A. Open. Uh, Lee Elder was uh, also came after he did. And, of course, Tiger Woods owes a lot of his career to what these men did before right. he was able to. And so well, these you know, were the trailblazers I, I think, um I think, you know, what you said is correct. And I, I would say that Earl Woods, you know, Tiger's dad, you know, really taught him the history of the game because he seems to be, you know, a stout, you know, to, to all of the – the things you know that's going on in golf here and now. So, um, if you look at some of the the younger film of Tiger Woods and with his dad, they understood the importance because, believe it or not, before he was Tiger, you know they couldn't even go to some of the clubhouses, right? True. They couldn't even get true. on some of the the actual greens to even mm-hmm. you know just think if history Jim Crow would have denied Tiger Woods us Tiger Woods by not allowing him to get on. Um, the greens. I mean, his dad was in the military, so most of his 
right. childhood greens were on military institutions, but it wasn't in public. The, we would not have Tiger Woods if it wasn't for a little bit of, um, you know, his dad being able to to put him on the greens, you know, in the military bases. Right. You know, right. Tiger Woods might not have existed. And how yeah, tragic would that have been? Grew up, right. Well, you know, it, it just... I often think about what would have been if he would not have lost five years of his career right. to injury and some other stuff off the off the field or off right. the off the course. But he grew up in Cypress, California, which is where I grew up. And he played at the Navy course, which is where I play golf with my dad frequently. And he also played right. at Hartwell, which is a little nine little short three par course when he was a kid. Okay, so Sherman, grew- that's enough. Okay, it's enough. Yeah, hey, I know I'm dropping it. Sorry, l- dropping it. L- no, no, Sherman. I- like, okay, listen. Okay, that's the only correlation we want to have you with winning. Okay, with is that you and you and this tiger just oh, okay. was All in right. the same spots, but you nowhere near the level. Okay, of no, Mr. Well, Woods, nobody is. Okay, nobody is. Right. Come on now, come on. Part three, I'm good. Okay, tiger now, don't want none of this. On the other side, female black first uh, female black professional golfer Althea right. Gibson. You know that name, Althea Gibson? I do. I yeah, do. absolutely. Born in 1929, died in 03. She was tennis first. She won the French Open in 56 and Wimbledon in 57 right. and then said, you know, I think I'll try golf. And she became the very first LPGA, black LPGA golfer. And that, that you know, she set the, the tone. There's only four of them on the LPGA currently. Wow. Uh, hope, yeah, that's it. So uh, more coming, we like to think. But, right. you know, she was a trailblazer in not just one sport, in two sports. No, uh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very cool. Now, let's talk about some lesser-known sports. We've got a, a shout-out to our lacrosse team and uh, Kevin Arabejo, the first professional black lacrosse player, Kyle Harrison. And this is recent. He was born in 1983, March 12th, in fact. He's still alive. He was born wow. in born in Baltimore, played at Johns Hopkins, and he's in the Johns Hopkins Hall of Hall Fame. Hall of Fame? Yes. Listen, a lot of great stuff come out of Maryland, brother. Including me. Yeah. <laughs> Including me. I know you don't want to say it, sure. I don't want to admit that yet. Bow yeah. down when you come to my town. Okay. Bow down, baby. Okay. All right. For this segment, Sean, I want to talk a little bit about your appearance, I guess you might say, on the radio uh, a little over a week ago. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? It was an awesome experience. I mean, um, you you know the station. What was the station, sure? You tell me. Uh, was it 570, I believe? Oh, your boy was doing it big time. You know I was doing it big time. Don't try to low play it. We that's I mean, it covers all of LA, baby. Yeah, it's yeah. one of the LA's best, baby. <laughs> I got a chance to be a part of it, man. And, yeah. And you know, with the... Ronnie Pete and his boy, you know, we right. was hanging out Rogan talking and about Rodney, right. Hey, we was talking about college athletics and and you know, the state of it and where it's going and you know, I was honored to be on the show, you know, and it was a blessing, but more importantly, you know, to be able to showcase just how great we're doing at Westcliff was was awesome, and and how we just in three days were up and ready to go in a pandemic, and and now we got over 250 athletes, you know, looking to come here this academic year to compete with us in spring, and we're happy to do it. But yeah, it was awesome, baby. It's nothing like being in La La Land. You know how it is, Sherm. Absolutely. And you know, when I actually was in college, I played against Rodney Pete. I didn't really? play. Yeah. Now I didn't play football, but a lot of people don't know what a great baseball player he was. Wow. You yep. know what? Now, if you would have gave me that information, you know, beforehand, before I got on the show, <laughs> you know, I could have asked him about it. 
you know, because we did get a chance to rap a little bit before. Right, right. Uh, you know, we did the segment, but he would have told me you was a loser anyway. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm glad, you know, we didn't talk about that. No, but sure, you know, really, to be totally honest, um, you know, Ronnie was, was just a great athlete. And, and you was a good athlete, too, you know, um, but not as good as me. Let's make that clear. <laughs> okay. I can't wait for this one-on-one game. Yes, yes. How come we can't set know, a date? Why can't we set a date and a time and a place? Me and Sherm Dog will be competing on the basketball court soon. Very, very soon. The great thing is, Sherm, your wish is about to come true. You know, Orange County just took – we just got took off the COVID-19 list. So it's getting closer to your demise. Mm-hmm. It's getting okay. very closer to okay. your demise. Mm-hmm. All right, man, you talk a good game, but I, I don't know. I've never even seen you shoot a basket. You don't have to. Just say, hey, whenever you hear, when they say Kobe, just think about me, baby. Really? Really? Hey, okay. listen. Because the I resemblance want, is so hey, similar, it's unbelievable. Shout out to the Mamba yesterday, 824, <laughs> yeah, 824. his day. Yep, shout and the Lakers the score. Lakers score in the first quarter against Portland was 24-8. Just, man. He was, was in the building. Not, that was kind of eerie, man. You know, little when bit. I saw that, it was like, ooh. Yeah. You know, I got goosebumps a little bit, but then I was glad that the team, you know, put on the black jerseys. They went after it. You know, um, they played like with a Mamba mentality. Sure. And it was over. By halftime, it was over. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Portland had a chance. Everybody no. could have been healthy. It wouldn't have mattered. It was just the Lakers' night. It was Kobe's night. It just just one of those I, I wish I, you know. I wish there were fans there, which people could attend the games. It's uh, you know, it's okay watching it on TV, but it's not quite the same. So no, no, you know, yeah. I can't wait to get back in the stands. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, because uh, I like to do courtside, Sherm. I ain't gonna lie to you. You know, what of I mean, course. I'm not flossing or nothing, but it's just something. You know, I need to be close. I like to be real, real close to the game. I like to hear the game within the game. But you know, uh, they got that new camera. You know, that's on baseline. You know where. It's not commentated, but you can hear just about everything, and it makes you feel a little bit close to courtside now when you listen to two, when you're watching the games now. Yeah, that's true. And they've got a lot yeah. of digital stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, they, cool. they're doing all a good the, job of trying to, yeah. to get us there. So, you know, shout out to the NBA. Yeah, absolutely. They're doing a good job and, and keeping everybody healthy and safe because they're in a bubble. Kind of interesting. So, um, okay, so here's the thing. I want to sh- close the show with a couple of motivational quotes, which we haven't had the chance to do recently. I know you've got a ton of sayings. You've got a ton of quotes, and you use them frequently. Uh, one of my favorites is, I never dreamed about success. I worked for it. Whoa. So, yeah. Who said that, sir? You know, I got to look that up. I Off the top of my head, I don't know. I just got to look it up. But um, you, did, you just heard that and said, hell yeah. Is no, that what you did? That's no, a I, hell yeah. Well, yes, it is. It absolutely you know? is. But I've heard it several times over Is that my over. boy Stone Cold? That's what my boy Stone Cold used to say, right? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That's a absolutely. hell yeah. Yep, Let's go. Absolutely. Hey, it's you true. know what? That is a great quote. I yeah. mean, if you think about it, I mean, that's really just grinding, man. Oh, yeah. You know, so I, I think it's, it's really, really uh, uh, transformational when you listen to that. I get inspired by it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I like it, it took me a while, but I've come to embrace your point of view on stuff like that. Um, you know, you, the way you hold us accountable, it's like, hey, I don't want excuses. Just get it done. Right. I, I never Nobody I, cares. Right. Right. Nobody I, cares. I never harder. used to work that. I never used to work that way and I never took to it. But over the last year, year and a half, that's what it is. And so oh, 
You Sherm, know, I, are you admitting right now I'm growing on you? Yes, dang it. I didn't want to say oh that. Oh, my God. Crying out loud. I know. Oh, I'm, you I, try to sneak that by me? You try to sneak Moment of weakness. Moment of weakness. I'm sorry. Man, but it's true. Hey, I, and, Sherm, you know, it, 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 it's reflected in what we're getting done in the in the athletic department and you know i can look at myself and i can look at the other coaches but you know we brought in a lot of new athletes and there's just stuff we have to do there's administrative things we have to do we got to do scheduling and planning and return to play and it's all getting done because right. it has to get done you can't you be gotta lazy got to get, hey, get it done and that's your that's the sean harris mamba mentality hey no excuse though and no. you know put up or shut up we got to do it but I, I tell you one thing a great quote that i like you know recently and i've been um you know, I'm a big fan anyway of George Washington Carver, but the one where he talks about just start where you are and with that, you'll have it, you know, make something of it and never be satisfied. I mean, that's kind of what we've been doing at Westcliff for the last 16 months. Let's just start where we are, you know, and whatever we got, we make the best of it. And I think if you take that mentality, you're never searching for anything. You're just happy and content with what you have, but you know, you got to build upon it. So I think, you know, with great people, you know, comes great effort and, and, and commitment. And if we be committed to our commitments, there's nothing that we can't do. So, and it always I'm, goes. I'm inspired. Yep, and it goes back to the five C's by being fully five committed C's. to excellence. What are they, sir? What yeah. are they, sir? <laughs> We're going to find great athletes with superior character that can establish an exceptional culture by making a tremendous impact in the community while being fully committed to excellence, which will translate to championships. Championships. The five C's. The five C's. Let's go. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for our podcast today. I'd like to thank my co-host, as always, your Dean of Athletics, Sean Harris. Yay, yay. And our sound engineer, the guy who makes us sound great, that is Brandon Peterson. Thanks very much, Brandon. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you download your podcast. And please leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get the word out about Westcliff Athletics. And we thank you for your support. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks very much. Keep an eye out for the next podcast. It's a hip hop, a hibbit, a hibbit, a hip hip hoppy. You don't stop the rock to the bang bang boogie. Say up, chuck the boogie, rhythm of the boogie to beat. And now what you hear is not a test. I'm rapping to the beat. And me, the groove, and my friends are going to try to move your feet. You see, I am Wonder Sherman. I'm like to say hello uh, to the black, to the white, the red, and the brown, the purple, and yellow. But first, I got a bang, bang, a boogie to the boogie. Say up, chuck the boogie to the bang, bang, boogie. Let's rock. You don't stop. Rock the rhythm that'll make your body rock. Okay, I can keep going. I can go all day.